0: Wherever you're watching from around the world, around our nation, or around this community here in Southeast Texas, we welcome you to another life shape. This is our eighth session. Can you believe it's already we're in our eighth week? We committed, uh, as I said earlier, we committed these 52 weeks of this year to humble prayer and strategic discipleship, and, and we've written and prepared lessons each week uh, that are strategically uh, placed uh, to be the next stepping stone, the next block in the building of a life that will be pleasing to God. So many times we, we refer to Christians as believers, and that's what the Word of God refers to them as as well. But, but, but believers, believers in what? What is it that we believe? It's important that as believers we understand what we believe. And so that's what we're doing. We're going through step by step. We, we, uh, each week are, are, are putting these life shape lessons together very strategically. And tonight our life shape prayer and discipleship block eight is on faith. Wow. We've come, you know, we haven't even got to salvation yet. We get to salvation next week, I think. But, uh, can you imagine going eight weeks into what we believe as believers? And we hadn't talked about getting saved yet. Wow. Uh, but next week salvation, Thank you so much for joining with us wherever you are around the world. We pray God's blessing, God's grace on you. And we are convinced that if we, his people, will humble ourselves and pray, will seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear us from heaven, he will forgive our sins, and he will heal our lands. That's his promise. And he will if we will. Amen? You know, he wasn't wasn't telling us an untruth. He's serious. He will if we will. Each of our life-shaped lessons, as I said, is strategically designed to add and to secure one crucial element of the believer's life, to add and secure that in our life in a way that we can understand it, embrace it, and hopefully be able in days to come to not only refer back to it, but also be able to repeat it to others whenever the subjects come up. Each critical component of truth that we need as a believer uh, uh, is is going to be presented during this 52 weeks. This is a step-by-step approach to discipleship and it will expose and explain all these essential doctrines of the Bible, hopefully in a logical format. That's what I've been trying to do. I've been uh, really pouring over this, you know, for months and months. We've been pouring over this, uh, you know, uh, writing and rewriting and and, 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 and uh, prioritizing and reprioritizing. And, I mean, pouring over this even week by week. In fact, today, you know, I was still changing at 11 o'clock today. I was still uh, tweaking what we're going to be doing tonight. That's how critical we believe this is. and and how much we want to stay on top of this and and, and give the very best, not only uh, for what we're doing here, but also for those around the world that we can uh, just offer this very logical step-by-step approach to discipleship, to building the life of a believer, one essential doctrine at a time. We've talked about in this past eight weeks that there, you know, there's only one God. You may remember, but let me catch us up real quick. I don't know when I'm going to get to stop recapping or have to stop recapping because I, I'll ultimately get so many. I don't know if I can go over them all, but uh, just, just go along with me if you would. We talked about there being only one God. His name is Jehovah, and we worship him and him alone. He created the heavens and the earth, and this one God made mankind. He made you, made me. He made Adam and made Eve like him, spirit, soul, and body, three parts but one being. And that's how he wanted us to understand God. And God prepared for adam and eve for mankind a wonderful place to live god made provision for them and and he intended for them to enjoy this wonderful place that he created for them but sin you may remember we talked about sin and separation sin came into the world and sin separated first sin separated man from man and sin is still separating man from man today you know, the first thing that happened whenever Adam and Eve sinned is that they became ashamed, felt naked and compromised in front of one another and protected themselves from one another. They were separated. They sewed together uh, fig leaves, made aprons, and this is the, they, they began to hide. It was the first time they were separated or separated themselves from one another. Then also sin separated man from God. Thirdly, sin separated man from the Garden of Eden, God's intended blessing and pleasure, what God wanted mankind to enjoy, all the benefits and the blessings of his provision. Mankind was separated from that. And then ultimately, sin separated man eternally from God. And all have sinned. You have sinned. I have sinned. But even if we had not sinned, the Bible says that God included every man in sin so that he could also include every man in the sacrifice that was necessary in order for sin to be paid for eternally. You see, God immediately knew that blood was what it would take in order to cleanse sin. And so he clothed mankind with skins. Where did the skins come from? An evident sacrifice that was made in the garden. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. However, the blood of bulls and goats, we learned, can only cover sin temporarily. And each year, there had to be another sacrifice made for sin. A continual coming to God for temporary forgiveness. Blood, blood of bulls and goats were unable to eternally cleanse from the damnation of sin. It would take a perfect sacrifice, a spotless lamb. There was only one chance God had. It was his only son. The pure blood of the son of God, born of a virgin who lived a sinless life, died an atoning death. He took my sins and your sins upon him. And with and for our sins, he entered death. The Bible says he entered death so that he might destroy death because only from that position could he deliver the defining blow to death. There he he triumphed over the devil, destroying him who had the power over death. He took the keys of death and hell and on the third day raised to life again, victorious over death, hell, sin, and the grave. Eternal forgiveness was made available because Jesus willingly gave his life as a ransom for all sin. Now, we stand in a place where grace has been made available. The grace of God we learned in block seven last week is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned, all-sufficient provision of God Grace is God giving more than he has to because he wants to. Tonight, we're going to take the next step. And I told you last week that I would give you the access code to grace. Because grace, there is only one way, only one door into grace. And grace has everything that you need. There's only one door to grace and there's an access code that is required before you can enter that door. Have you ever considered The storehouses of God, think about this. You know, Job talks about the storehouses of God a little bit where God keeps the snow and and the rain and all that. Uh, uh, You know, where does God get all these things? Isn't that amazing to imagine that God was creating a picture of all of the wealth of heaven and all the abilities of God and God likened these things to storehouses. Can you imagine the storehouse of God where God keeps his gold, you see, the streets of heaven will be paved with gold, and and the, the, the gates made out of pearl. And you know, where does God keep all of His jewels? We have we, we, heard of all of the different uh, uh, jewels that will go to not only make up crowns, but also the different jewels that the, that the new city of Jerusalem is 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 or, you know uh, 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 ornamented with. Where does God keep his gold, his jewels, his blessings? Where does God keep the miracles till we need them? Where does God keep his kindness? Where is God's forgiveness? Where's the storehouse of God's goodness? Where's the storehouse of his righteousness, his love, his joy? Where is the wealth of God kept? Where are all the wonderful blessings of God kept? Uh, Can you imagine all manner of goodness and righteousness and joy and peace that God has made available. On top of that, imagine where this sovereign creator keeps the inheritance that he has promised his son. Where is it that God keeps these things in store? Think about the abundant and the perpetual supply of the storehouses of God. Now imagine how that God is so good. And that he so loves the world, even when the world doesn't love him. When we were yet sinners, when no one knew God or loved God or imagined what God could do for them. Imagine, can you, how that God reaches into that storehouse of his blessings. Imagine how God reaches into that storehouse of healing and miracles and goodness, grace and peace and joy. And he spreads them out onto a world every day. A world that's undeserving, a world that many times does not even realize uh, where the goodness is coming from. You know, uh, do you imagine that the birds know where their food comes from, or, or or that the lilies understand, you know, where their beauty is derived? How God so clothes them with such a wonderful colors and majesty. Where does God keep all of that? Imagine God reaching in every day to his storehouse of miracles and goodness and blessings and giving them to a world that is unaware. God does that. He does that. God blesses the world every day. He can. He's God. He reaches into the storehouse of his grace and he gives more than he has to because he wants to. That's grace. The goodness of God toward men. That's how wonderful God is every day. The Bible says he daily loads us with benefits, blessings. We can't even count all of our blessings. Many times undeserved, unwarranted, unrealized where they come from. Especially the grace that comes upon sinners. The goodness of God to those who don't know him and don't love him. I was in that place at one time and God was yet good to me. God blessed me when I did not serve him. He can do that. He is God. He can do anything he wants, and he's that good. He'll keep dealing with us and loving us and reaching out to us Time and time and time again. And though we say no to him. And though we disappoint him. And though we walk away from him. Yet he is good. And he continues to draw us to himself. He continues to reach out and bless. He can do that. He is God. But how. How can we. You know, God can access his grace. All of his goodness. But how can we. Imagine. God giving you access to his storehouse where he keeps all of his gold, all of his jewels, all of his peace, all of his joy, where he keeps the wealth of his righteousness. Imagine God giving you access to the storehouse where he keeps forgiveness. Imagine God giving you access to the grace where he keeps salvation so that you can go in and get what you want, what you need when you want. Imagine that. You see, God has granted us access into the storehouse of grace. There is a door And there is a code, okay? The door is Jesus. And the access code is faith, okay? Let me show you from the scriptures. Romans, the fifth chapter. And by the way, do you know why that the the, the New Testament is called the good news? The gospel means good news. You know why? Think about it. It's pretty good news that God's going to give you access to his storehouse of grace where he keeps his provision, where he keeps his joy, where he keeps his peace, where he keeps his forgiveness, where he keeps all of his patience. Can you imagine having access to the patience of God? Can you imagine having access to the goodness of God, to the gentleness of God? Can you imagine having access to the grace of forgiveness? Can you imagine that? He's given us access. That's pretty big. I mean, the fact that God is good does not surprise me. The fact that God can give me His goodness does not really overwhelm me that much. I'm I'm surprised He would want to, but, but yet I understand this good God. But when I come face to face with the reality that He has given me access when I so choose... To go in and get the forgiveness that I need for myself. Or the forgiveness that I want to give to someone else. That's pretty big. The patience I need. The hope I need. The hope I need to share. How do you get that? Well, There's one door, as I said. And the access code is faith. Romans, the fifth chapter. Verse one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, there's the door, the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, Jesus is the door. Jesus, in fact, said, I am the way. He also said, I am the door. He said, if any man comes any other way or tries to come in any other way, he's a thief and he's a robber, for I am the door. That's what he said. Jesus is the door through whom we have access by Faith, You see, it is our faith that grants us access into the storehouse of God's grace so that we also might obtain and manifest the glory of God to God's credit and God's glory. Jesus, Messiah, the door, faith, the access code. I want to paint a picture for us tonight, but allow me as I do to make some important points along the way. Our first important point tonight is this faith is the level of our trust in the truth. If faith is the access code, if faith is what opens the door so that I can come through Christ to obtain salvation, to obtain forgiveness of sins, to obtain peace and love and joy and patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control. If I can access this by my faith, what is faith? Well, faith is the level of my trust in the truth. Without Either element, without either one of these two elements, trust or truth, you cannot have faith. Faith is trust in the truth. If you do not have the truth, you cannot have faith. Faith is something that belongs to God. He defined it. He he created it. He is the one that owns it, okay? Okay. Without the truth, you cannot have faith. And without trust, you cannot have faith. If you do not trust in the truth, you do not have faith. If you are trusting in a lie, that is not faith. It's deception. Faith is our level, is the level of our trust in the truth. The Bible speaks of levels of faith. The Bible speaks of great faith. The Bible speaks of little faith. The Bible speaks of much faith. The Bible speaks of no faith. There are levels of faith. And the level of our trust in the truth is what determines our faith. Our trust in the truth is simply us saying that God's word is enough. God's word. John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. When we trust God's word, when we trust the truth, it's saying to God, your word is good enough. That's faith. That gains us access through Christ into the storehouse of everything grace has provided. Number two, without faith we cannot please God. That's what Hebrews 11 verse 6 says. If we do not trust God, we cannot please Him. We, we stand no chance of pleasing God without trusting His word. The only way to put a smile on God's face, the face, the only way that we can make God happy, the only way that we can please God is when we simply say, "Your word is enough. Your word is good enough for me. I trust your word. Your word is true." That pleases God. The Bible also tells us, important point number three, that faith grows, our faith, our trust in God, our trust in His Word, our trust in the truth. Faith grows when we listen to God's Word. That's what Romans 10 verse 17 says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to God... His Word deposits trust in our life. So that the more that we hear the Word of God, the more that we listen to the Bible, the more faith, the more trust is spiritually deposited in our life. So that we can convince ourselves to trust in God's Word by simply listening to it over and over and over again. You know, this principle works, by the way, not only with God's word, but it also works with a vacuum cleaner salesman. (laughs) Or a used car salesman. And I don't want to pick on anyone because uh, I buy and sell things. I just bought two things in the last two weeks I'm hoping to sell. You know, Uh, but... If you have ever had someone knock on your door to sell encyclopedias or water filters or anything else, or if you've ever put yourself in a position to listen to a very, very, very good salesman, you know that the more he talks, the more you believe him. That's why people used to, before the call ban, used to in America, they would call, you know, about dinner time. They knew you were home, and they would tell you about this wonderful deal that you couldn't pass up, and the longer they talked, the more you wanted it, (laughs) It's, it's an element of truth that works, but it also works for God's word. In fact, it works more dynamically on a, on a much deeper spiritual level, more than just a mental ascension. There is a faith that God's word creates in our life the more we listen to God's Word. That's why when we fall into trouble or difficulty or tests or trials or tribulations, we need to run into the name of the Lord and there we will be safe. The Bible says the righteous run into the name of the Lord. It's your Word, O oh Lord, that builds us up and gives us an inheritance, the Bible says. The more we hear the Word of God, the more faith grows. Point. Number five, uh, four, rather. Faith is also grown as a fruit of the Spirit. That's what Galatians 5.22 says, that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, or faithfulness in some translations. Faith is a, a fruit of the Spirit. Our life is like God's garden. The more God that we put in our life and the more we fellowship God, the more we pray, the more we worship, the more we turn to God in our life, the more we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruits that grows is faith. We can grow our faith from a seed, like a mustard seed, into a mighty tree by just continuing to fellowship and cultivate God's Word in our lives, His worship in our lives, the fellowship of other Christian believers, the encouragement that comes when someone speaks to us a word from God. This causes faith, trust in the truth, to grow in our lives. The more we're encouraged, the more we worship, and we can use that faith to access God's grace, His storehouse. Important point number five, faith is our substance and evidence until we see our hope. Hebrews 11.1. One. Faith is our title deed. Faith says we have it before we can see it. You know, if you order something online today and, you know, and it's paid for and they're shipping it and you get this notice, you know, you believe you have it before it gets there. That's... that's Faith. Faith is our substance. It's our title deed. It's, it, it, it says it's coming. It's, it's the substance of what you hope for. The evidence of things you do not yet see. Faith is incredible. Our simple trust in the truth that his word is enough. He said he'll send it. He will. Important point number six and our last point for tonight is that faith accesses what grace provides you see if Jesus did not pay for it your faith will not access it this is the word of God for example God did not say that you can have a candy bar every day at two o'clock if the word said that then you could have faith for it you could pray and believe and you could stand on that word and I don't know exactly how God would do it but you could believe for it and I would tell you your faith is the title deed for your candy bar every day But the fact of the matter is, it's important to realize that faith should be aimed at what Jesus provided for us on the cross of Calvary. And for that, you'll need to get to know your inheritance. Grace provided you an inheritance, and faith will access what grace
1: provides. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know if you died, you'd go to heaven? I'm gonna pray a prayer with you. If you'll sincerely pray this prayer with me, meaning from your heart, you will be saved. And you'll know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I realize that I have sinned against you, but I am willing to repent. I choose to repent, to turn away from being a sinner. And right this moment, I open the door of my heart And I take you, Lord Jesus, into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, it's very important that you contact us because we have some information to help you get started in your Christian life. I would like to write a letter to you so that you can know how to win your friends and your family to Christ and then we'll send you other information to help you get started. So here it is. Remember, realize that you have sinned against God, choose to repent, and receive Jesus into your life. Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, or her that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So if you come to Him, He will not cast you out. You can know Him and know that you're saved, and know if you died, you'd go to heaven and then share that with others. It's so important that we be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. So call us or email us. Please let us have contact with you so that we'll be able to help you along the way in your Christian life. Find a good Bible-believing, praising, worshiping church and join that church so you'll have a pastor to help you as you go along in your Christian life. God bless you, I believe that God is going to do great things in your life.